Good morning, everybody. Good morning. This, uh, this song we're doing, it's a new one for us. Would you do your best to join along with us? Would you stand and sing with us, please? I'm so glad you've come to worship today at Helotus Hills United Methodist Church. I am the pastor here, and I welcome you. If you're a guest, a first-time guest, we'd love it if you filled out the blue cards to let us know who you are. All right, we have brand-new prayer request cards that you can fill out. We hope to make it clear enough where you can name who it is that you want to pray for. And then on the back, if you would like our card team to send a card to them, just give us their name and address. I will tell you, I've heard from so many people who are receiving prayer cards, what a blessing it is. So don't hesitate to list people that would be blessed by a card from us. Also on the back of your bulletin are the announcements, and you have an invitation for next Sunday at 10 a.m., one service in the front of the church. Bring your, your uh, little chair 
and look at the back for a breakdown of other things that you can bring to share with others. We'll have worship at 10 a.m. We're going to have a baptism. Two young men want to be immersed, so we're going to make that happen. And then we have um, two families that will be joining our congregation. What a huge blessing. So be there at 10. That kicks off our summer worship, which will be every week at 10 o'clock. You'll get to see all the people who worship at 9 and 11, one church. We're doing that so that we can worship together. And we know that a lot of times folks are on vacation and not um, here during the summer. So that way we'll have one service. We have fellowship dinners at 6 o'clock on Thursday in the fellowship hall. It's just a time of fun. Fun and food and fellowship, which United Methodists do quite well. And also, Jesse will tell you in a little bit about a service opportunity for you next Saturday. I won't steal your thunder, Jesse. So let us now turn our hearts and minds over to God. Good morning, everybody. My name is J.B. Briggs. I am the prayer team leader here at our church. And as Pastor Cheryl said, the, the prayers are so important that you fill out those prayer cards. And, and we literally have had people from all over the world, literally all over the world, that we pray for, that we send these cards to, that let us know how much they appreciate being prayed for. And it is such a great privilege to pray for you, to be able to be the ones praying. It really is. So please fill out those prayer cards for us. All right. As we start to uh, light these candles, let's just remember God. As we begin to worship, symbolize Christ's presence with us. Will you stand in body or in spirit as we welcome the light of Christ? Our scripture reading this morning is Matthew 22, 36 through 40. I'll be reading from the New Century Version, this just so we all kind of get exposure to different versions each week. Teacher, which command in the law is the most important? Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and most important command. And the second command is like the first. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the writings of the prophets depend on these two commands. Mark chapter 1 verse 35, also the New Century Version. Early the next morning, while it was still dark, Jesus woke and left the house. He went to a lonely place where he prayed. The word of the God for the people of God. Let us pray. O oh God, you have given us clear directives for our life in Christ when you tell us to love you with all our heart and all our soul and with all our mind. We know that our actions towards our neighbors is an expression of our love for you as you invite us to see Christ in the presence of others. Show us how to love our neighbor as you desire by loving ourselves in the same way, acknowledging Christ's presence in us as well. We invite you now into all the places in us that are difficult to love. Overcome our resistance and fill us so completely with your grace 
that we may love and serve others in your name. Amen. At this time, I'd like to invite the children forward for our spark moment here in worship today. It's our children's time. My name is Miss Jessie. I didn't say that. I'm the director of Christian education here, and I am so happy to hang out with you kiddos today. Good morning, everyone. So today, we get to, hi, come on up. We get to talk about a really cool thing that Jesus taught us. He taught us a lot of cool things, didn't he, Penelope? And one of the coolest things he taught us was something that we today call the greatest commandment. And he took all of the Ten Commandments and all of the commandments that the Jewish people followed on a regular basis. There was over 600 of them. And he summed them up in two. Do you guys know what those are? You said it in first service. What was the first one? Uh, um, love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And what's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. My kids have listened. Good job, guys. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's absolutely correct. And it's easy for us. It's easy for us to hear those things and say, oh, yeah, we do that, right? But are we really doing that? Are we really loving God more than everything in our lives? Are we putting him first above everything else? And are we really, truly loving our neighbor as we love ourselves? Are we treating our neighbor the way we want to be treated? It sounds so incredibly simple, but when we are in need of a hand, when we need help, when we need a friend, we want that for ourselves, don't we? And when we see somebody else that's in need of help, do we automatically reach out and help them? I know I don't. I don't every time. I have to think about it. And that's not sharing God's love with others when I have to think about it, right? So this week in Spark Worship, we are talking about sharing God's love in the world around us. We had an opportunity during Sunday school to help the backpack ministry pack boxes of food for kids in our local school systems. We're going to go back and help sort those boxes because we had some random leftovers that need to still go in. And this week, every single one of you and your parents and every single grown-up kid out there is invited to come help out at Magdalena House on Saturday the 27th from 9 to noon. Magdalena House is a wonderful organization in San Antonio that supports women and children who are in need right here in our area. And we're going to make sure that their grounds, their campus, their surroundings support them and are safe for them and provide love for them. So everybody is welcome to join for that. There's no age limit. If you'd like to join, there's a sign-up out in the lobby for that, and I will contact you this week. Does that sound good, kiddos? Yeah. Why don't you scoot over here, Michael? We're going to say a prayer. Come on over here. Let's bow our heads, fold our hands, close our eyes. You guys know the drill. Let's talk to God. Say, dear God. Dear God. Help us to love you. Help us to love you. With everything we are. With everything we have. And love our neighbors. And love our neighbors. As we love ourselves. As we love ourselves. In your name we pray. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to go straight out the back for Spark Worship. Thank you, Jesse. It looks like you're going to have fun, fun, fun at Spark Worship. And so are we. We're going to have fun, fun, fun. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> As we begin our prayer time together, um, we're going to have a moment of silence where we take our own prayers before God. Then we'll pray together and end with the Lord's Prayer. Don't forget your prayer cards written legibly. We'll go to the prayer team where we will hold your people before God in our prayers. So let us go before God now in our prayers.
Lord Jesus, you have given us responsibility for one another. You've made us responsible for the needs of others beyond the bounds of our family and friends. You give us grace to step up and live into the faith you have put in us, calling us to be your people who take responsibility for the needs of others. Be with those who mourn and are in pain. Continue your work within us, healing the sick, caring for the injured. Sustain us by the power of your Holy Spirit that we may be emboldened to love you and love our neighbor as ourselves. We thank you that in your wisdom you've given others responsibility for our well-being. Thank you for the farmers and the healthcare workers and teachers and maintenance workers, for the first responders who make our lives possible. Keep reminding us of our dependency upon the gifts of others and instill in us a sense of gratitude for our dependency and for those who love you enough to love us as well. All this we pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Earlier today, I was reminded of a show that many of you might have seen. It's called what would you do? Anybody ever see that before? It's a hidden camera TV show where they set up social and moral situations and then they put the cameras on secretly and see how people are going to respond. That's what they do. And sometimes it's shocking to see how people respond to different moral and ethical situations that are before them when they don't know that people are watching. So I wanted to share with you a few of these questions and just think about how you might react, okay? What would you do if you saw a woman being harassed on the street by a man? What would you do if you saw teenagers bullying a child? What would you do if you saw someone stranded on the side of the road? What would you do if you saw someone being discriminated against because of their race or religion or age or status? What would you do? On TV, each of these situations shown on hidden cameras record people's reactions and give us real life examples of how people might respond in difficult situations. And some people step in to help, while others do nothing. And I personally believe that God gives us every single day opportunities to react and respond in service and in love. And I wonder, what would you do? Sometimes we rise to the occasion, even when there's not anyone watching. And sometimes we fail 
and we walk away without helping, even though God will give us constantly ways to show our love for God and to love others as we love ourselves. Clearly, it is important to God that we help people. Clearly, it is important to God that we become or are generous people. So we're going to look to see what 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 3 and 12 through 14 have to say about generosity. I will be reading from the New Century Version. As JB told you, I like to expose you to different versions of the Bible. You can open up the Pew Bible, which is the New Revised Standard Version, and compare the notes and see how they're different. And maybe through the different interpretations, you'll hear a word from God. I think you'll find on page 1055, yep, if you're going to look in the Pew Bible. And Paul writes, I really do not need to write to you about this help for God's people. I know you want to help. And I've been bragging about this to the people in Macedonia, telling them that you in southern Greece have been ready to give since last year. And your desire to give has made most of them ready to give as well. But I'm sending the brothers to you so that our bragging about you in this will not be empty words. I want you to be ready as you said you'd be. The service you do not only helps the needs of God's people, but brings many more thanks to God. And it is proof of your faith. Many people will praise God, the God you obey, the good news of Christ, the gospel you say you believe. And because you freely share it with them and all others, when they pray, they will wish they could be with you because of the great grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for this gift that is too wonderful for words. And now we can say our memory verse, which is Jeremiah 29, 11. If you don't remember it, I think it's on page 711 in the Pew Bible. If you know it, will you say it with me? For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So clearly giving is a Christian value. Serving is a Christian value. And yet I wonder why so many people don't give. Why so many people don't serve. Even among Christians, I think I read a statistic recently that said only 30% of the people in church give. That's shocking to me. And so I wanted to know what reasons people might give for not giving, for not serving. And I found these reasons. The first one is lack of resources. If somebody does not have financial resources, they cannot possibly give. But giving is not always about money. It's often about giving of your time and your talents, and your service. The next one is lack of trust. Sometimes people don't trust the church. They don't trust what you're going to do with the money, and so they won't give. The next would be lack of motivation. Some people simply are not motivated to give. They may feel like their donation won't make a lick of sense or difference, and so they don't even start it. 
I wonder if you saw yourself in any of those reasons why you don't give. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 1 through 3, Paul writes to the people of Corinthia about the collection of the saints for the saints in Jerusalem. And he said, I don't even need to write to you about this because you are such great givers. You are so generous. He says, you always help the saints in Jerusalem because you know it will bring glory to God. And he says, when the Corinthians see that giving, they will glorify God too because they will be submitting to the gospel and they will be giving in their faith. This passage, this pericope teaches us several important lessons about giving. The first thing it teaches us is that giving is always a matter of the heart. You think it's your pocketbook, it is not. Giving is always related to your heart. And it's not about how much you give, it is about the cheerfulness, the attitude in which we give. If we give cheerfully, we are showing God that we love God and that we care about other people. And also these verses teach us about blessings. That when we give, we are blessed. Uh, Rex was the lay reader in the first service earlier today, and he had to tell me a story, a giving story. And he said it changed his life. When he was just a small boy, he was five years old, and his brother was eight. And they were so poor that their parents only gave them two gifts, one for each child for Christmas. They didn't have any more money than that. Each child got one gift, and the gifts were exactly the same. So there'd be no fighting. So then they opened their gifts at Christmas, and both boys were so happy. And then his dad said to him, you know, the little boy upstairs doesn't have any presents this year at Christmas. We'd like to give him one of your presents. And so the boys talked it over, the eight-year-old one. They rewrapped the present and took it upstairs to the boy in the apartment that had no gifts. And Rex said that that little boy opened that present and was so happy and joyful that it changed Rex's five-year-old life in experiencing the joy of giving. It's so amazing to me. This kind of giving, where it changes you, is transformative and part of the foundation of our faith in God through Christ Jesus. It's part of that strong foundation of faith. And so I ask you to imagine if you were building a house and you start by preparing the foundation, digging the foundation. It is the most important part of the house because it supports everything else. If your foundation is weak, your house will fall in disrepair. And once you have the foundation in place, you can start building the rest of your house. And you can be confident that your house will stand strong with any storms, with any problems, because it's built on a solid foundation. Now, these instructions that we heard JB read from Matthew chapter 22 are the two most important commandments for Christians. You could say that the commandments that we heard in Matthew that Jesus said, spoke are the foundation of Christian living. They are the foundation of our faith. Do you remember those two commandments? Foundational commandments. First one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And the second is, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Thank you. Those are foundational premises for a Christian living, for a Christian, period. 
They're the core of our very faith and the greatest of all commandments. And I'll tell you, it's not always easy to do the foundation, right? If you're in construction and you know how to prepare a foundation, it's probably hard work. And it's not so easy, and sometimes we don't want to do it. But if you start with a strong foundation, you can build a faith that is sturdy and stable and can withstand any storms in life. Loving God with all our heart, with our soul, with our mind and our strength, as we love our neighbor as ourselves, as we show compassion and kindness to others. When we treat others the way we want to be treated, that is the foundation. So earlier today, I told the story of the three little pigs. You know that story? Yeah, Joe does. He's heard it earlier. It's been around generation after generation after generation, and it's sometimes told in different ways. But the story of the three little pigs is there's three brother pigs, and they went to build a house. And one little pig built his house of straw. The second little pig built his house with sticks. And the third little pig built his house with bricks. You know the story. Chris Campbell tried to tell me a different story, but it ended poorly for the wolf. So she said the wolf never meant to eat the pigs. It was an accident. <laughs> so in my story, they built their house. The third brother, the third little pig, went to his other pig brothers and said, I'll help you build your house. We can build it strong and sturdy. And those pigs were in such a hurry, they didn't care. They said no. And so the third little pig went home and did his bricks on his own. So one day, after building their luxurious straw house, the first pig was enjoying the comfort of his straw house when he heard a knock. You're going to have to provide the sound effects. Thank you. And it was the big bad wolf. And he said to the pig, little pig, little pig, let me come in. And the little pig said, not by the hair of my chinny, chinny, chin. I didn't know about that until I was about 50. And I was like, oh, I'm making sense now. And so the wolf said, then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. Some people say down. I always say in. I don't know why. And he huffed and he puffed. And he blew the house. So the house of straw just went crazy away until there was nothing left. And the little pig, though, was smart enough to run out of that house before it collapsed. And he went to his second brother's house, the house made of sticks. And he got in there, and they were so happy to be together. And pretty soon, you heard a... Thank you. That, that's a knock. That's a good knock. And the wolf was there again, and he said... Little pigs, little pigs, let me come in. And the pig said, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. And the wolf said, then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. And he huffed and he puffed and he blew and the sticks went everywhere and the house collapsed. So this is where Chris's story diverges from mine. She said it killed one of the pigs and the wolf just ate it because it was there. <laughs> In my story, however, Sharon, the two little pigs knew that was happening. Before they got hurt by the house, they ran to the third brother's house, which was made of bricks. And so they got into the house. They were super happy, and they felt pretty safe and secure. And who came along but the big bad wolf? And he knocked on the door. That was a very weak knock that time. Thank you. Because he was demanding at this point. And he said, 
little pigs, little pigs, let me come in. And the little pig said, come over here, my chinny, chin, chin. Then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. And so he huffed and he and he huffed and he puffed, but he could not blow the house in because they had built it on a strong foundation and it would not collapse. Now, here's where I say the big bad wolf went away. Chris said they poured hot water on him. These are many different ways this story ends. We're just going to end with the wolf did not get bacon that day. And he didn't. The story um, often teaches children, which is so weird to me that we tell these stories to children. It, it teaches children cooperation. It teaches children about building a strong foundation and helping one another. And so there's some things we can learn from this story as well. If we are in a building with a strong foundation, our faith can withstand the attacks of the enemy. Our faith becomes a shelter for ourselves and others who are experiencing problems in life. Our generosity and caring for others shows our love for God and each other. And it is the most important of all the commandments. So do we do well at this giving business? Sharing ourselves, sharing our love of God with others. I read from a Rabbi Shimon who said to me that every person is filled with potential. Every single person is made in the divine image of God. I always make them at nine o'clock turn and look at each other because I want you to look at the people sitting around you. Look at them. It's okay. They won't bite. And I want you to recognize that the people around you, every human person is made in the image of God. They have a bit of God's divinity within them. I don't care how dirty they are or how much they smell or if they look weird or if they talk weird or if they don't talk at all. Every human being is in the image of God and is filled with potential for great goodness. The problem with potential is that if we don't use it, if we don't actualize this goodness, then it remains dormant within us. Much like I told the story earlier about um, water underground. And if you have a well and there's plenty of water, it's an aquifer of water, and it's clean, and it's cold, and it's good. But if you don't have a pipe to get it or a bucket to carry it, it does you no good. You will drown. You will die from thirst. It's the same with our potential inside. We have potential of goodness, unfathomable goodness within us. But if we do not actualize that, if we don't act out in love and care and service to God and each other, it stays dormant. And does God want this goodness within you to remain dormant? No, God wants you to actualize this through serving and caring for other people. And so I wrote down some ways that I think that we can love God, love ourselves, and love others. I want to share those with you just to give you some ideas of what you might want to do because there are innumerable ways for you to actualize the potential of goodness that you carry within you, that divine spark. And God has 
all the resources in the world and will continue to pour into you and out of you goodness. The first way we might love God is by spending more time with God in prayer. Can I get an amen, Davey? Amen. Thank you. He leads the prayer ministry. You spend time with God and prayer and meditation and be in the presence of Jesus Christ. I can't tell you how important it is and how amazingly powerful it is to imagine Christ sitting right next to you. So often when I'm feeling anxious or angry or in need of something, I imagine that Jesus is by my side and I pour my heart out to him. I pour my heart out and he always responds to me. And immediately I feel better. Now, you cannot do that if you don't spend time, alone time with God and Jesus Christ. And when things start going south, immediately go to your prayer closet. Sit down and say, Jesus, things aren't going so well. Pour your heart out and let God know what you need. And I promise you, God will intervene on your behalf in ways that you can't even imagine. Think of Jesus like I do sometimes, just holding my hand, teaching me, guiding me, and also then begin to praise God for the opportunity. Every problem you face, every obstacle is an opportunity to praise God because you're going to learn new things and you're going to grow in grace or you're not. You're going to use your potential or you won't, but it's an opportunity to thank God. Another way to love God is to serve God through serving God's people. And here at Holotus Hills, there are plenty of ways for you to serve God. In just a few minutes, Joe's going to get up and tell us about worldwide mobility and the blessings that you and he in this congregation has done serving God. This is how you show God you love God. Jesse told you about an opportunity to go to Magdalena House. She set up mission opportunities that are intergenerational. That means little kids and big kids alike, young and old, can participate. You love God. You want to actualize your potential of goodness then serve God. There are many ways to do it here. You may also have other ways that you serve God in different venues. That is actualizing your potential. You love God through giving thanks and praise in worship. We come together in worship to praise God. And we do that through our songs. We do that through our prayers. We're praising God all the time. And this is how you show God your love. And you love God by reading the Bible. Really, you have to. It's the book that tells us everything we need to know to survive. Read the Bible. Attend Bible studies. We have Bible studies that meet here on Tuesdays, women's Bible study on Tuesdays, Thursdays, women's Emmaus uh, Wednesdays, men's group, they're meeting all the time. Roy Baldwin has a Sunday school class and Val has a Sunday school class where they study the Bible. If you want to love God, you got to know more about God and read the Bible. Okay, so that's loving God. You got plenty of things to do to show God you love God. Now, how do you show that you love yourself? This is a tricky one, right? Because so many times we're beating ourselves up for our failures. You need to tell yourself, I am made in the image of God. The divine spark resides within me. And I have great potential for goodness. So to love yourself, take care of your own physical and emotional health. 
And that means taking care of yourself by eating right. Try to stick with healthy foods. Donuts only on Sunday, right, Michelle? <laughs> Get enough sleep. Exercise regularly and spend time with your loved ones. On uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Sharon Fitzpatrick teaches a yoga class. We call that the floor yoga because you have to be on the floor for that class. On Mondays and Wednesdays at 1045, she teaches holy yoga chair classes, which means you don't have to get on the floor. And so I've called that the cheer yoga. Get it? Cheer it's a way for you to worship God and move your body in some gentle ways, stretch, become closer to God, but take care of yourself because that needs to be a priority because God told us that we are to love others as we love ourselves. So you got to do that. You love ourselves by doing things that make you happy and joyful. The Bible um, actually says this. It says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Do you know that, where that verse is? I don't either. I just thought somebody might know. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And remember, always, when you're feeling most down, that you are totally, completely, entirely loved by God. Nothing you can do about it. You are completely loved by God, and you are valuable, so valuable to God. With all that potential, God's not going to waste it. All right, now how do we love others? Thank you for asking, Joe. You love others by being kind and compassionate. This is a no-brainer. It means treating people with respect, even if they're different. Treating people with respect, even if they've done something wrong. Love others who are in need. This could mean doing volunteer work at uh, Helota's Hands of Heavenly Services. You know, what is it, Jess, Jenny? Helotus House of Neighborly Service. I always call them Helotus Hands of Heavenly Angels or something because they are. They are, Lori. And you can go and volunteer there anytime. They would love to have you there. Go help neighbors in need. Love others by forgiving them when they wrong you. Forgiveness is not easy, but it is an important part of loving others. And it is a key quality on the foundation of Christian faith. You love others by forgiving them. You love others by being understanding. We never know what a person's been through. And I will tell you, we sat down for um, time at church at 10 o'clock. A bunch of us go into my office and eat healthy donuts. And we talked. We talked about things that are going on in our lives. And you never know the person sitting next to you has had such a hard week. So give them a little break. People have things going on in their life that you have no idea. And if they're acting out of sorts, it's not you. Don't take personal umbrage. It's them. Love them through it. Because people are having a hard time. And we as Christians should be kind and compassionate towards them. Show them kindness. Show them God's grace. There's this song that we sing, um, They'll know we are Christians by our, you don't sound certain, by our, they will know we are Christians by our love. They'll know we're Christians by our love. And brothers and sisters, this world today is so filled with hatred and anger 
shaming, and terrible things. And if we enjoin in that practice, we are not doing what God commands us. We are not loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. And there is no excuse for unkindness. There's no excuse. We have to love as we were loved. Forgive as we were forgiven. And reflect God's love back to the world that is such a lonely place. It's such a hateful place. And we have a choice, always, to be part of that, just rolling along, or we have a choice to love. And as Christians, brothers and sisters, we are called to follow the example of Christ. And when we do, our lives are changed. And we can live in joy and in peace and in fellowship with others. Now, the world may not do that, but you and I can, right? Because then they'll know we are Christians. Amen? I invite you to prepare your hearts for offerings to the Lord. I give because Christ depends on our giving to accomplish his goals. He depends on us to do our part in bringing his church to fruition. So, ushers, would you please bring, come forward and prepare for the offering. Please stand as we sing our song of praise. pray God of grace and glory we thank you for showing us that giving to others is spiritual proof of our faith in you we ask that through our gifts many will repraise you and find the good news of Christ thank you for opening our hearts to share your good news fully and readily with others as we share our blessings in response to your call, bless these gifts and multiply them in use of your kingdom. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Um, always we end our service time with a discipleship, a call to discipleship. And that means we take what we've been given in our spirit and our soul and we go out into the world that we might give to others as Christ gave to us. That's our discipleship and our call. We do this through our mission statement, which was written by leaders in your church. Um, you'll recognize a lot of it. So let's say our mission together, please. The mission of Lotus Hills United Methodist Church is to grow and nurture disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of our community and our world. It's a big job, but I think you have the potential to do it. I want to introduce to you Joe Shrubar, who is um, part of the Worldwide Mobility Team. He's going to tell you a little bit more about what we can do to serve Christ in the world like they do. Thank you for this opportunity to tell you about a 
mission that I've been involved in for over 20 years. Uh, and I could talk endlessly about it, but you don't want me to talk endlessly about it. So I'm going to talk about three things. What exactly Mobility Worldwide is, uh, how in the world did we get involved it, here at Helotus Hills, and then finally, how you can help. What we do, look at this picture, and it says exactly what we do. We build that cart that Elian, who's in Mexico, is sitting on. We build that cart here in San Antonio, and that's one of our carts. We're one of 23 affiliates, of which 21 are in the United States, and we build carts, and we give them to folks where a regular wheelchair doesn't work. Because you can see in that picture that a wheelchair can't go in grass, it can't go in sand, but this cart can go there. Uh, Ilian was homebound. Did never, he never got out. Uh, now, with this cart that we've made here, he gets out, he goes to school, and he's a functioning member of society. But how did, how did Helotus Hills ever get involved with this? It started uh, with the United Methodist Men uh, around 2003. Um, you know, it's the group that has become just for guys. And we had some folks from Luling come and tell us about what they were doing at the time. They were building these carts, and we looked at each other and said, you know, we can do this. Uh, so we started by building parts, uh, taking them to Luling. Then we started uh, building the whole cart and said, we can do this. And because of generous donations of money and equipment, for instance, Ken and Judy Lynn donated our first welding machine so that we can make the metal parts here. Without that, we could have never, you know, got rolling. Uh, so we, def we finally decided that we would build the carts here ourselves. And since around, it has been since 2004, we're, and we're still going, and we're building the carts, and we're a full-blown affiliate. Uh, and we did that in 2004, and we're still involved. Uh, for instance, I'm the vice president of Mobility Worldwide in San Antonio. Laurie Gancy is our treasurer, and Dick Baldwin is on the board of directors. So how can you help if this, if this is something that touches your heart? First, pray for us. Pray for the volunteers. We're one of the few affiliates that nobody has chopped off a finger yet. Uh, <laughs> So pray for us that we keep that record intact. Pray for the recipients, because this thing touches their lives. It makes their life, we get them out of the dirt. It makes their lives so much better. But they need our prayers. And when we give them a cart, we let them know that someone else in the world loves them and God loves them. Come to work in the shop. I look around here and how many folks in this congregation today have worked in the shop. It, it truly warms my heart. But you can do metalwork, woodwork, you can paint. Uh, there's all kinds of ways that you can help. And if you don't want to come to the shop, which is over by the airport, talk to Dick Baldwin. We're in the middle of changing uh, the floor of one of our trailers, and it sure would be nice if we could have somebody besides a couple of 70-year-olds crawl underneath the trailer to help change the floor. 
tell the world who we are. You know, it's, it's, it's always about, you know, we, we participate in social media, uh, we have a website, but it's through word of mouth that people do donations and come and work for us. And finally, money. Of course we need money. Uh, thank you. Two weeks ago, our, uh, community, our communion offering was for mobili Mobility Worldwide, and I thank you for that. But you can donate individually at any time. Uh, equipment, money, thank you, and appreciate it. So I would like to leave you with this, that we want to continue this for another 20 years, uh, and we can only do it with your help. Thank you, Joe. Thank you so much for sharing your witness. It means the world to these people who were previously unable to get around. And you go with our prayers and blessings and hopefully more money. Well, we have certainly been blessed today and filled with God's light and love and word. And I hope that you leave here today knowing the potential that you have inside you and how easy it is to allow God to release that potential through loving God, loving others as you love yourself. And the world will be changed by you. Amen? Amen. Let's go forth in peace and love.